Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. The gym in Uptown, Charlotte, North Carolina. NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's the site where families can come and learn about what these teams do on a weekly basis this week we've got a superstar that's joining us and anytime you have a superstar walking through the hall of fame you got to stop to sign a few autographs eric almarola is going to join us on the show today we're live from the hall of fame Now, before we get started with our guest today, breaking news within the last hour, NASCAR has given a level one penalty to Kyle Larson and the 42 team from Chip Ganassi Racing for a rear brake cooling assembly violation that was found on Larson's car during a teardown at NASCAR's R&D Center. So as a result, both Larson and the 42 team have been docked 35 points. Crew Chief Chad Johnston has also been fined $75,000 and suspended for three races, Chip Ganassi Racing has confirmed that it will not appeal this penalty. And with that, we have a new leader in the Monster Energy Series point standings. Last week's winner at Kentucky, Martin Trix Jr. Trix now holds a 34-point lead over Larson in the race for the regular season title. Now remember, the regular season champion gets 15 valuable playoff points. And bigger news came out today. The wait is over for Eric Almarola. Earlier today, Richard Petty Motorsports announced that he will return to the 43 car this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Almarola has been recovering from a serious back injury sustained in a crash at Kansas back in May. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Hall of Honor alongside Kyle Petty, Eric Almarola, and Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. I think your spire is just on the other side of the room, but that's what's surrounding this room are the spires. Yours is over there, and of course, Jeff Burton, I'm Rick Allen. The big story that just came out about an hour ago was the fact that Kyle Larson and that 42 team has been fine and a pretty hefty fine. The finish is going to be encumbered. Uh, so a lot of things coming down from that. Uh, is this fine? Is it? Does it fit the penalty? Well, you know, the, it wasn't on the car because it was hurting them. I can promise you that. And <laughs> okay. that's, you know, NASCAR looked at it and said, hey, you know, this was helping them enough that it deserves the kind of fine that it that they got. And uh, you know, I haven't seen the part or pieces right. put in my hand, but I can promise you the fine was uh, was levied because they felt like it was pretty severe or the fine wouldn't have been this big. Yeah, you have to wonder if this is one of those situations that they started off with something close to what was supposed to be there, and then they added a little something more that they said, okay, this gives us a little more downforce. This does exactly what we want. They get through one week, and, and it kind of snowballs, and you continue to add a little more to that. You probably can speak better, but you know how these things go that, you know, as a driver, you want them doing everything they possibly can, but it finally got to the point maybe. I, I don't know exactly, but it just seems that you, it's not something you just throw in the car one week and see if you can get it through. They told me I was just coming to talk about me coming nope. back to <laughs> You were on the hot seat. We want your opinion okay. on everything, Eric. Do you think Look, you should be fined more? Here's the yes. deal. Yes. What would you like to see fined? How would you like to I see fined? I think they fine? should get like a 1,000 points and no tires. <laughs> there we go. There no we tires go. for next year. Right? I, look, here's the deal. As a race car driver, and you guys know, you guys race, 
If your car goes right through technical inspection before the race or before qualifying, you see other guys rolling around having to go through, you go up to your crew chief and you're like, man, you didn't try hard <laughs> enough. Like, you, you want to push the, push the envelope. You want to get caught with something. If you, if you push the area in 10 areas and they catch you with three, you got away with seven, right? And I think this is just one area where they pushed and they pushed a little too far. All right, so I'm, I'm going to notice your posture right now. You're kind of slouching a little bit. The yeah, news was know. the news was that the chair the his mom or something. Well, a little bit. Know. It came out today though that that you're actually changing your your seat in your car uh, to have a little more of an upright position because they thought that maybe you were slouching a little too much. Is that what the doctors told you? Uh, yes and no. So my posture, I don't think, is exactly newsworthy, but. Yes, it is. Um, today it is. Today, 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 today it is. is. But yes, I am. Uh, I've been working uh, with doctors and, and my team to get a little better posture in the car. I had a bad habit of being slouched. I'm tall anyway, um, so when the roofs used to be lower, when I first got into the the Bush series back then, in the first few races I ran, the roofs were really low, so I would slouch in the car. Uh, when I go kart raced, I slouched to get my CG lower. Um, so from the time I was eight years old, I've been kind of slouched and tried to compress myself into a lower area. And I think that that habit has just kind of carried with me. Um, and now it's time to fix it. Uh, you know, I, I sat with my spine in somewhat of a, a C shape because of that slouch. Yeah. And so when you get in an impact and your head goes forward and you actually move a little bit forward in the seat, your pelvis goes up because my seat is ramped up. Mm -hmm. So they felt like that had some um, impact on, on the injury. So just trying to get in better posture, get you know, a little more upright in, in the car. I, I want to ask you this, it, it, in that same vein, if you've driven that way your whole life, yeah. and now there's a defining line, and now you're changing your posture, we all know what it's like to get in somebody else's car and say, yeah, yeah it's a seat, it's a steering wheel, right. there's the pedals, there's the shifter, <laughs> but I'm just not comfortable. Yeah. Do you have to relearn how to fill the car and in that position? I think so. Um, so yesterday we tested at Charlotte, and that was my first time back in the car and in this new seat position. And, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a learning curve for me just to get back and, and get into a seat that's not my seat, right? I've, I've used this insert in a carbon seat for the last seven years um, since I went to Junior Motorsports and, and drove a nationwide car for, for you know, Dell Jr. So um, for me... It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some learning yeah. to get used to, to driving. Because, like, when I got in the car at, at uh, Charlotte yesterday, I was like, doesn't feel like my race car. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it feels different. Um, but I think, you know, every race car driver learns to adapt, whether it's a handling situation or, um, you know, the seat situation or whatever. You just figure it out. So, well, back when you used to race, you just had a bucket that you sat on <laughs> yeah, anyway, right? That's so, exactly right. A bench seat. He already used to bench seat. What are you talking about? trailer hitch in the bottom. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I thought the floor was cut out. And you had yeah. 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 a little Fred Flintstone. It was like a bucket. Isn't it about, though, comfort? I mean, you guys you guys need to be comfort and comfortable in that car because you say you drive by the kind of the feel in your butt when you're in a race car. So don't you have to make sure that you're comfortable well, in the seat? What, what, what I was curious about is are you concerned about you know, this weekend, lap 300, how you feel, because yeah. you're all going to be in a completely different situation. Is yes. something going to hurt that didn't hurt before? Yeah. Are you going to cramp up somewhere? Because I know when you would make a small change, all of a sudden it affected something you had no idea it was going to affect. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've already seen it with this. Like, just, just changing my posture has now changed my headrest. 
because when I sit like this, the headrest has to be lower. Mm -hmm. So when I sit up straighter, my headrest, we had to change headrest and, and raise the headrest. So a lot of things are different. Um, but yes, I am concerned. And I think that um, not that I picked this on purpose to come back. I just got clearance from the doctors and the way it worked out on the time frame, it worked out to come back at Loudoun. But if you could pick a place to come back, I would say Loudoun is a great place. Yeah. There's no yeah. real vertical G load, mm -hmm. um, you know, compressing the spine. Um, it's the shortest race of the year, arguably. It's, you know, it's 300 laps. So, um, you know, I think, I think all of those things are, are, are in my benefit to sort of figure out this new seat posture and, and just coming back for the first time. Cause you can work out, you know, from racing. I used you can to work. Yeah. You used <laughs> yeah. To. Well, you can work out. I can be in great shape. I can do all those things, but there's actual race car fitness, right? Like yes, you use yes, muscles, you use muscles driving the race car that you can't use, um, in the gym that you don't use when you go swimming or biking or any of those things that I do. So, um, getting back in the race car and running a race, I think is going to be uh, really important for me, and I'm sure I'm going to be sore after. And the doctors have already told me I'm going to be sore um, just from you know having a major injury in my back and and all of those ligaments and muscles around that area. Um, they're still trying to do their job to protect that area. They still think like I've got to do my job to support that area and protect it, keep it safe. Um, so I'm sure I'll, I'll be sore, but um, I'm excited to get back in the race car and I'll deal with the soreness. I, I I'm sorry I. I... I'd never raced a car, never crashed one. Well, actually not on a racetrack, but uh, <laughs> I was a pole vaulter and I missed the pole vault pit one time. I landed on my back and ruptured a, a vertebrae yeah. in my back. And, and at the time I was paralyzed. All this and you didn't ever reach out to me to say like, hey man, I know what you're going through. <laughs> oh, let, me now, I, let me, wow. hold on. Calling you out right here. You didn't let me finish Dang. this okay. story. So <laughs> as this happened, I was paralyzed. Yeah. And I immediately was, it all flashed in my mind. I might not be able to do this again. Did that happen to you right when this wreck happened? When this wreck happened, did you ever think, oh my gosh, this might be it? No. Um, it hit me when I was in the infield care center and the doctor was kind of over, over my face and kind of checked me out, checked my vitals um, and said, all right, we're going to go get you loaded up on the helicopter. We're taking you to Kansas University Medical Center. And at that moment, I was already in a lot of pain and, and whatnot, but in that moment when they said that we're going to take you in a helicopter, like we're not putting you back in the ambulance, like we're putting in you, you in a helicopter and taking you to the hospital. And while I, I understand that they didn't know what was wrong in the infield care center, they, they just knew that I had back right. trouble and that I was telling them my back hurt really bad. In that moment, I knew if, I, if I'm getting on a helicopter, um, I'm in bad shape. Like, I don't, I don't know how bad this is, but it could be really bad. I might not, I might not drive a race car again. So in that moment, I kind of got pretty upset um, and pretty worried. So what's the mindset now? We've all been in that situation. Obviously, we've yeah. all been injured from yeah. what we do. So, it, but people always said to me, well, how can you get back in the race car knowing that you might get injured again or you don't know what's going to happen? Uh, well, for me, it's really simple. Um, I love to race. Yeah. You know, and and I, I've told some people this. The very first go-kart race or time that I ever drove a go-kart was at Lakeland Trioval Cartway. I was eight years old, and I got in the go-kart. I knew the gas was on the right, the brake was on the left. That's yeah. all I knew. And I got in the go-kart, my grandfather fired it up, I went out on the racetrack, and I held it wide open. And I went down the back straightaway, made it through the first corner, got coming off turn four, I didn't make the exit, <laughs> and I went straight into, they had plywood fencing around this go-kart track with hay bales. 
and I hit the hay bale, hit the wall, <laughs> fell out of the go-kart, was crying. My grandfather come over, was like, are you okay? Said, yeah. All right. So he load everything back up on the cart, and, and he's like, all right, we'll just put it in the trailer. We'll we'll go home. I was like, no, I don't want to go home. I want to race. That was fun. I only made, I only yeah. made it 100 yards, but yeah. I had fun. Yeah. I want to race. Um, so we stayed the rest of the night. Some people come over and loaned us some parts, some spindles and stuff to fix it, and we, and we raced. And I've had that same mindset ever since. Like, I've gotten injured in wrecks before I got to this level, and – you recover and you go race. And okay, no, no, so what? nobody said you had to be smart to do this. You no. have to be. I just yeah, have to sure that's it. a prerequisite yeah. to not be too smart yeah. to and get I in the car what, and go that I really fast. learned in these last eight weeks like how much I do love this because yeah. Yeah. for the last six years it's been very routine to just go get on the airplane, go to the racetrack on Thursday, you know, race the weekend, go home. And in the beginning, like when I first got the opportunity, you just come in with all this enthusiasm and excitement. And after a while, it's unfortunate, but it happens to everybody. It turns into a job. It becomes yeah, very yeah. monotonous. It right. becomes very yep. routine. And in a matter of a moment, it gets taken away from you. You realize, man, I, I want that. Like, I really miss that. I want to get back to doing that. I think we've all been in that situation yeah. where you, you were staring at the end of your career right yeah, in front yeah, of you. Yeah. And, and, and at that moment, it is the appreciation comes and, and how yeah. lucky you are to do this. So, so having said that, how does that change how you prepare? How does that change, you know, what you're doing this weekend and into the future? Well, I still think I take it very seriously. I took it serious even, even when it became just more routine. Um, but I think now is just more a, a level of happiness, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to go to the racetrack. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be the first driver in the garage area on Friday morning, right? Like, I'm just, I'm excited to go back to the track. I'm excited to be with my team. I'm excited to go out. I'll, I'll probably be the first guy on the racetrack if nobody else wants to go on the racetrack because it's green and not rubbered in. Like, I just want to go out there. I want to, I want to, I want to drive my race car. Um, so I think that's how it changes it for me. It almost makes me feel like a kid again um, just because, you know, in the off season, we, we all take off. We all look forward to the off season. But in the off season, nobody else is racing. Your team's not going to the racetrack, right? Well, this is eight weeks in the middle of the year. Like, all my friends and peers are still going to the racetrack. You know, my race team's going to the racetrack without me driving the car. Um, it really makes you miss it. Yeah. And I don't think you guys had any penalties. So I'm pretty sure you're not going to have to go sit on pit road <laughs> no, I while everybody else is practicing. You're going to be able to jump right back out on the track. Yeah, that wouldn't that. be good. Well, as we had done uh, last week with Ricky, we want you, the fans, to be able to be a part of this show. So if you have a question for Eric, on social media, do hashtag ask Eric, and we will try to get your question in to Eric. We're here for the whole hour, hour from the uh, Hall of Honor, and we're very lucky to be able to be in this beautiful facility. So we want to thank the Hall of Fame for letting us do this. We want to thank Eric for being here. We've got a lot of great stuff in store, as well as we're going to watch a little bit of the rehab that Eric Almarola had to go through to get ready in just eight weeks. Eight weeks, remember, that was how long ago it was when he broke his back. Here's a sneak peek. Everything was really tense and locked up after the accident. It's the body's you know, safety mechanism with the way that the vertebrae got crushed in a pizza pie shape. Uh, the top of my spine is actually leaning forward, so I've got to do a good job of getting all the back muscles in the upper part of my back strong again. Today we're just going to put Eric through his paces of simulating Bristol. 
two weeks after my injury, that probably still would have brought tears to my eyes. That right there is no issue. It may have been a little bit of torture, but we are in the Hall of Honor, and there's plenty more coming up next. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. This weekend, Formula One racing hits the United Kingdom for the British Grand Prix. Coverage begins at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Sunday on CNBC. Check out what they did today in London to get fans pumped up. An event called F1 Live London in the heart of Trafalgar Square. That'd be pretty cool. So there in Trafalgar Square, we are in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. We're in the Hall of Honor. Welcome back. So Almirola has missed the last seven Monster Energy Series races, plus the All-Star Weekend due to his injuries. It's taken a lot of hard work to prepare for his return to the cockpit. I sat on the couch for two and a half weeks and wasn't very active, so it feels nice to get back in the pool. I really feel it when I'm first getting up in the morning. It just gets stiff from sleeping on it for you know, eight hours, but getting in a pool really starts making it a lot more limber, gets my range of motion, my mobility back. Growing up in Florida, I've swam, you know, all the time, but no more than just racing your friend to the other side of the pool, and when you get there, you're like, <gasps> I beat you. But to like swim for like 20 or 30 minutes straight, it's an incredible endurance workout. The best way I can simulate the endurance fitness that I had pre-accident without the impact on my spine. It's amazing how quick you get out of shape. Everything was really tense and locked up after the accident. Uh, it's the body's you know, safety mechanism so that it immobilizes it so you don't hurt yourself worse. So I've really been working hard to get the flexibility back, the range of motion back, and then get it strong again. I've also got to get my posture back with the way that the vertebrae got crushed in a pizza pie shape. Uh, the top of my spine is actually leaning forward, so I've got to do a good job of getting all the back muscles in the upper part of my back strong again. And I've been doing several types of rehab with massage therapy and laser therapy, and I've got a bone growth stimulator, and if there's a widget or a gadget out there that claims that it'll heal you faster, I own it. <laughs> Today we're just going to put Eric through his paces of simulating Bristol. Bristol's probably one of the highest vertical load tracks that we see, and it's pretty violent. We really need to apply a little bit of G-force to find out how his body is going to respond from a pain standpoint. Our goal here, Eric, is to not have any pain, and if you have any, we're going to call it. Okay. This will be the first step to see how closely I really am to getting back in a race car. No problem at all. I think we'd go ahead and we dial it up to 100. 100%. Yeah. Two weeks after my injury, that probably still would have brought tears to my eyes. That right there is no issue. I thought that the the twist to get in and sort of like torquing my body to get down in the seat might be uncomfortable. I was even prepared to like grimace inside and not let you see it. <laughs> 
we're going to try and simulate worst case scenario. We're gonna create some really aggressive bump files like the jack dropping on a pit stop, going across the tunnel at Texas, things like that. They're just sort of quick, instantaneous, violent bumps. I come back down and when it went back the second time, I got a fair amount of loading in my like right glute and I got some loading up my spine and I felt fine. I was excited to come, but I was also anxious and a little nervous about maybe I'd have some pain and then it would be sort of a reality check that you know I was still a ways away from being ready to go. But I think this is somewhat validation for me that I'm ready to go. All righty then. All right, two-part question here. We've all been through rehab. Um, one of the hardest things I personally have ever done because you get in what you put out, yeah. but it's a lonely road because you're doing it for yourself yeah. and it's about yourself. How hard was your rehab, number one? And number two, from the emotional side, how hard did it, was it for you as a driver? I know what it was for us to watch somebody else be in your car. Yeah, so first the, the rehab part, I, I worked my butt off. Um, I did before the accident, yeah. but really after was like, all right, I'm going to clean up my eating. I'm going to, you know, work out as soon as, as quick as I can. Cause that first week, especially the first like 10 days I got, I went from a recliner to, you know, sleeping in a recliner to the couch, back to the recliner, back to the couch. Um, there was zero physical activity and I was extremely stiff and sort of immobile. Um, so after 10 days for me, you know, I'm, I'm an active person. Yeah. So it was driving me nuts though, <laughs> to, to not just be active and do something. And so uh, I was so excited when uh, Dr. Petty and Dr. Court, my doctors were like, all right, you can start limited activity. Don't pick up anything heavier than 10 pounds. Um, you can start working on your flexibility and stuff like that. And right away I was like, all right, I went and got some rubber bands um, and started doing pull aparts and everything I could think of to, to really start working my yeah. back and doing all those things. And so it really started from the, the time the doctors let me start doing rehab. Um, and then I was really diligent about, and it's kind of a pain, but I was running all over the place. I'd wake up in the morning and swim. Then I'd do rehab. Um, and then I'd do some sort of therapy, like physical, yeah. th like, uh, you know, laser treatment. Yeah. I was, I got a lot of laser treatment done on my spine um, to just, create blood flow to that area. Yeah. Um, they say that's the, the best way to, to heal an injury is to promote blood flow in that area because yeah. it, it brings, I don't know, new proteins and stuff to the area to fix it. So um, just doing all of that and scheduling it and making time for it. I mean, I really cleared my schedule. Um, I had sponsor commitments and a lot of different things lined up, you know, leading into those weeks. And I was like, I've my focus is going to be on getting back healthy. Um, and so I cleared my schedule and every morning when I woke up, uh, my focus was on healing myself and yeah. getting better. Um, so that was, that was a lot of hard work, but it's, it's worth it. You know, I, I, they told me eight to 12 weeks, um, if I was lucky and it could be upwards of 16 weeks yeah. and here I am at eight weeks. And I think a lot of that is just the, the payoff of getting up in the morning and, and getting my workouts in and doing all the therapy that I did. And then the other part is the emotional side. And that is something that you have no control over. Um, you know, I, I am in full control on when I wake up in the morning, if I want to go work out or not. I am not in control when the team leaves to go to the racetrack yeah. and I don't get to go. 
And that is the hardest part because, like I told you earlier, for going on six years now, Thursday came, you go get on the airplane with your team, you go to the racetrack, you race, you do the best you can, you come home, you get ready for the next week, and then all of a sudden that's gone. Like that was really tough. And then to watch somebody else drive your car and be with your team, um, that was really tough. So uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of Regan Smith and Billy Johnson and Daryl Wallace for what they did stepping in for me and helping to, to continue to build on the team because the sport doesn't stop, right? The for sport sure. continues to evolve. <laughs> you see it with, with people getting in trouble for rules and fractions, right? Like teams are still trying to find downforce. Teams are still trying to find better setups. Teams are still evolving their race cars to make them faster. So you can't just not show up to the racetrack. You'd get left behind. So I think it was so important to have those guys step in and do the job that they yeah. did because it just makes our team better and better and better to be able to keep up. And uh, we came off of two really good weeks before I crashed and got hurt. We finished ninth at Richmond, and we finished fourth at Talladega. And we felt so good about the stretch of races coming up. And then to have it stop like that, we... we you know, we really leaned on the guys getting in the car to say, we really need your help to keep building that momentum off of those two finishes. So that way, when I get back in the car, we can pick up where we left off. Yeah, so that's the point. So it's not like you're one of the, what they would call the young guns, but you're nowhere close to retiring because you're not even close to 40. Gosh, I hope not. So, <laughs> but, but sitting there thinking, was there ever a thought in your mind that, okay, I'm going to tell them that as I go through this process that I think I'm okay or to fudge on that just a little bit to get back in the car sooner? Yeah, so the very first, so two weeks after the accident, I went for my first sort of second CT scan, right? So I got, I got tested and got my scans and x-rays and all that stuff at the hospital in Kansas City. Um, and then after that, I went and met with the doctors in Charlotte on Monday morning but then I didn't get another CT scan to check on the, the healing and all that stuff for a couple weeks. So after a couple weeks, I finally had started feeling a little bit better. I could move at least. And so I went into the, the, the doctor's office fully prepared to tell them what I was going to do. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I, it, it hurts a little bit, but I can grip my teeth and I'll be okay. And Dr. Petty and Dr. Cork, they both looked me square in the eye and they were like, look, man, you are young. You've got a beautiful family. You do not need to screw this up. Like two, two more starts in your cup career is not worth it in the big picture, right? right? right. Like um, it doesn't matter if when your career's over, if you have 800 starts or 802, yep. it just doesn't matter. Um, and so I, I took that advice and, and, and listened to it. And, and for, for me, I, it was about, you know, this is serious. You know, like your spine is nothing to be messed with. Like you, you break your arm and you get it, you know, somewhat healed up okay, you go race again. If you get another wreck and you re-break your arm, it's your arm. It'll heal again, whatever. Mm -hmm. But your spine, it not only can it paralyze you, but it controls a lot of your vital organs. I had no idea about that, but I've got, we've all got nerves that run through our spine um, that control, like the T5 that I broke. I've got nerves that run through it that control I'm going to lie. The doctor's probably going to be really mad at me. It's like your liver, your pancreas, and your kidney or something yeah, crazy right. like that. It's like mm -hmm. you can't live without those things. So um, when they started explaining it to me more, I was like, okay, I'll, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready to go. So, so 
not in regard to comfort or anything like that, how did the Charlotte test go? Because when you get at, when you're out of the race car for a little while and you get back in there, yeah. you want to make lap time right, right now. now. Yeah. Like, yeah. So how did that go? So the very first, so I'll tell you what was crazy is um, leaving pit road, just kind of going up through the gears. I went from second, grabbed third, and I was like, crap, I'm flying. Like, <laughs> like you kind of forget. Like, again, you talk yeah. about that routine. Like, you just get so used to getting on the racetrack and going. Like, the speed becomes sort of normal. Yeah, yeah. And when you get out of it for a while and then you get going and you get going to 200 mile an hour, you're like, oh, I am flying. And, <laughs> and so uh, that, was, that was a little bit um, of a shock to me to think, you know, I, I just take it for granted that we yeah. run 200 miles an hour. But then the other thing was the first lap on the racetrack, I held my breath because I was like, I thought like it might hurt and I was just going to like yeah. just deal with it, you know, yeah. like don't let anybody know that it hurts. And I held my breath. I went down into turn one and I run a slow lap. I run like a 30-30 or something, which is a second off of where we needed to be. And I let off super early and was like, oh, please don't hurt. Please. It didn't hurt. <laughs> Slam the gas down, <laughs> go to the next corner. I'm like, nope, that, that corner doesn't hurt either. And within three laps, I was right up to speed where we needed to be on lap time and stuff. And our test went, our test went really well. We put fuel in it and put tires on it. I went out and run 30 laps in a row and felt really good, really comfortable. So, um, yeah. So, so in that situation, is there someone from NASCAR there watching? I mean, how, yeah. how does that work? We had a team of people. I was, I was blown away at how many people showed up for a one-car test at, for a half a day at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But besides our team... We had people from NASCAR there, um, the medical staff, and, and people from the crash, the R&D center um, came. Yeah. Um, I had uh, my doctors there. Dr. Petty was there. Um, Bill Heisel was there. I had uh, got the Hendrick uh, carbon seats that build the actual seats that we sit in. Um, that Mark, um, he was there. Uh, the people that pour the inserts um, into the carbon seats, they were there. Um, we, we had all kinds of safety, safety item people, the seatbelt guy, just everybody that we could think of that might be involved in the process of getting me comfortable. We knew we had four hours to test to get me comfortable in the car so that hopefully I would get cleared to go race, and we wanted to make sure we had everything in order. Well, Eric, you know you are kind of a big deal. <laughs> I so felt why, like That's it. why yeah. people are going to show yeah. up yeah. when you yeah, get good. ready to go out onto the track. You know. <laughs> Eric has been here uh, pretty much all day. Earlier today, it was unveiled in the Great Hall that the new paint scheme, the throwback scheme for Eric, will be uh, the same paint scheme that the King had when he won his 200th race, which was uh, at Daytona, the 84 Firecracker 400 at Daytona. So that will be the same paint scheme that he will run at Darlington later this year. What was Eric Almirola's path to NASCAR like and who helped him along the way? We'll go back to his racing roots coming up on NASCAR America. And welcome back to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. We're in the Hall of Honor and you might have been asking, what are those cars behind you? Well, that's Benny Parsons' car. And next to him is Jeff Bodine's car. Those are the two cars that are behind us. They are the most recently inducted people into the Hall of Fame. Benny Parsons, Rick Hendrick, team owner. Uh, those cars, as well as the others that were inducted this last year, 
are here in the Hall of Honor until the next class is then inducted into the Hall of Fame, and they will take their place here in the Hall of Honor. So revisiting our top story of the day, NASCAR's been, they have given a level one penalty to Kyle Larson and the 42 team from Chip Ganassi Racing for a rear brake cooling assembly violation that was found on Larson's car during a teardown at NASCAR's R&D Center. So both Larson and the 42 team have been docked 35 points. Crew Chief Chad Johnston has also been fined $75,000 and suspended for three races. And as we mentioned before, Chip Ganassi Racing has confirmed that it will not appeal this penalty. So today's news certainly shakes up the race to Miami. Last week's winner at Kentucky, Martin Truex Jr., is the new leader in the Monster Energy Series points standings. Truex now holds a 34-point lead over Larson in the race for the regular season title. And remember, the regular season champion gets 15 valuable playoff points. Those will come into play in the playoffs. Truex already has the most playoff points in the series with 28, but with eight races to go in the regular season, he and the 78 team still have a point to prove, as Jeff Burton pointed out this morning on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Like in Victory Lane, in Victory Lane, Cole Pern saying, okay, now we got to go to Loudon and make shut everybody up that we're only a good mile and a half. Remember that comment? I mean, I think it would be a statement if we go to win Loudon next week and shut them up about the mile and a half thing. I mean, to me, that's badass. Like, we just stomp your butt in the ground. And by the way, we're going to shut you up next week, and we're going to beat you on a mile. I mean, that's... That's cool. I mean, and so I, I want to see if they can. Uh, and by the way, they ran really good there last year because they had problems. But mm-hmm. but I, I I like that from Cole Pern. That was the mayor. Love always hearing from him. You can hear NASCAR on NBC personalities each week on Wednesday at 9 Eastern on the morning drive with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistone. Only on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. That's channel 90. Our guest, Eric Almarola, began racing at the age of eight, and a lot has happened since those first laps. More on Eric's racing roots when NASCAR America returns. <laughs> the sport's incredible history is on display every day at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And NASCAR America will be here at the Hall every Wednesday at 5 Eastern with one of today's top drivers joining us next week it will be denny hamlin who will join us and be our guest here at the hall of fame so our guest today eric almarola has fond memories of this track east bay raceway park in his hometown of tampa florida his grandfather sam rodriguez raced there in sprint cars often with young eric sitting in the stands whenever sam won eric not only got his picture with him in victory lane He'd actually drive Sam's car to tech inspection with Sam sitting on the Nerf bar. That had to be a great experience. So, so you've obviously been around racing your entire life, have yep. a passion for it. Uh, you have the unique perspective of being in a race car, but then actually getting out of the race car, unfortunately due to injury, and watching the races. Yeah. This week. You know, Brad Keselowski made a comment about the quality of the race car, which obviously he's making reference to the quality of the racing because of the race car. Sure. So you've seen both this year. Yeah. I mean, you're the only person I know yeah. that has done both yeah. consistently. So what is your perspective of where the sport is in racing, and, and do, is the car that far off? Well, that's a great question. I think 
first, where the sport's at is, as far as the racing's concerned is that it's as competitive today as it's ever been. And not taking away from anything that you guys have accomplished in, in your generation of racing, but I'm telling you, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't look that way when you watch the race this weekend and watch Martin Truex dominate, but I'm telling you that the racing is so competitive. You see Kyle Larson get fined for in, in, in docked points for a fan that they have blowing air for cooling and they're misdirecting air. That's to find a few counts of downforce, right? Like, and that makes a difference. We're in such a small box now. NASCAR's put us in a small box to where these small differences matter, and they matter in a big way. And, and we call it, I call it, stacking pennies, right? And in the old days, when you listen to your dad talk about racing and Dale Inman and those guys, they found big advantages, huge advantages to win races with. And, and, and that part of the sport has never changed. Races are won with advantages. When you get to this level, everybody's good. Everybody's really talented. The crew guys are talented. The drivers are talented. So races are won with advantages. And, and so um, now the advantages are just really small and really detail-oriented. And it takes a team of engineers, a team of aero fabricators and, and aero engineers. And it's just extremely competitive. And when you make it that competitive and that close and the parity is that close, um, it makes it really challenging to pass. And Richard says this all the time. One of the things that made him look so fast was that so many of the other people on the racetrack were so slow. Yeah. You know, the, the difference in speed yeah. made it look like he was just the king. Yeah. And he was. But now the, the, the competition's so close that when you're talking about the difference of lap time being thousandths of a second, you don't just drive around the outside of somebody right. when you're a thousandth of a second faster than them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's the challenge. That's the challenge for NASCAR. That's the challenge for our sport right now is to figure out how to make the race cars race around each other um, better. But at the end of the day, we all run so close in speed that you don't just – when everybody's on the interstate and they got it on cruise control at 70, nobody's going to pass anybody. Yeah. All right, let me, let, let me ask you this because this is what I constantly hear. We, we constantly hear from fans, okay? You, you're talking about stacking pennies. They don't give a rat's around about stacking pennies. They want to see drivers. Yeah. They want to know drivers. You, we, you talk about the king. I never heard Kale or Pearson or the king or Earnhardt Sr. complain about the car. No. They just drove the damn thing. They might have whined and asked yeah, about but, their cars so they, they could get complain. their manufacturing they advantage. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't complain globally no, like we right. heard, heard right. Brad say, NASCAR needs to build us another car for that's what right. where the sport is and stuff. That's right. So I, I guess my question back to you is, while the engineers are stacking pennies, how much can you as a driver do? Because yeah. that's the question the fans want to know. Why am I pulling for Eric over Jimmy Johnson? Or why, why is my car not doing this? Is it Eric? Is it the driver? What, what part is it? I mean, that, that is the heart of where we are with this sport right now when we look at why fans complain about it is what is the driver's role? Well, I think it's evolved over the years, to be honest. And, and now... Um, in my opinion, the driver is really in charge of executing a perfect race from his, from his you know, input. Um, you, it's, still, it's still up to us. We don't have onboard telemetry. Yeah. So it's still up to the driver to communicate with the crew to get the car to his liking. Right. Um, you know, that's important. You know, every, every driver wants something a little different out of their race car. Um, but then also to, to really execute a perfect race, you've got to be perfect on restarts. Everybody talks about the cars racing around each other. Well, 
when we do race around each other, we race like hell around each other for three laps. Right. Right. And then the race sometimes gets strung out depending on what racetrack we're at. But the, so as a driver, you've got to get all you can get for those restarts. You've got to get all you can get on pit road. You've got to get all you can get in qualifying. That's really, in my opinion, what the driver's role is now, is, is really to take the piece and the, the car that has been engineered and scientifically proven out to the best of the team's ability, and it's your job to get in there and go execute and do your job um, at 100% all the time with no mistakes. And I think you see it time and time again, mistakes take take chances of you winning a race away. You look at Kyle Larson, he had a really fast car. He might have contended with with Martin Truex for the win on Saturday night, and he never got that chance right. because he made a mistake. Yeah. The, the team made a mistake getting through um, tech for qualifying, and then he made a mistake speeding on pit road, and that took his chance away from having a shot at winning the race. Yeah. So, so let me first say you did a great job of dodging that Brad K question. That was outstanding. <laughs> so you really you've been thinking about it. Now, so kind of along the same lines that, that Kyle was going there, though, three years ago, the cars had so much downforce yes. that people were complaining that anybody can drive these things. Yes. Uh, you know, it's just on the map, pretty much, you come out a little bit yep. and you go. But is that a better scenario than when you take all of that away and the engineers get so involved that there's these just these small things that that seems like it maybe it's taken out of the driver's hands too. So I, yeah. I, it might be the same I, answer. I, I hope really, it's not there, but that's what fans ask them. You know, I, I really don't know. Um, I, I think if any of us in the sport knew, we would go up in the trailer and talk to you know nascar and say hey this is what we need to do but i i mean we all sit in a room i'm on the driver council we sit in a room with with nascar and we talk about it and there's no smoking gun like there none of us have a real answer um you know when i look back at racing years ago we look at 200 uh win he uh richard talked about it today he said, yeah, me and Kale got out there. We were a lap ahead of the field. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They were a lap ahead of the field. Yeah, Do you think cars. any of the fans today would appreciate no. a race with two cars on lead lap? I don't no. think no. so. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think what we're asking out of our sport is a lot. But also, you know, <laughs> we, we're, 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 uh, we're competing for viewership and we're competing to get eyes on our sport. And in order to do that, we've got to make it exciting. And so it's up to all of us. We, we can't bash the sport. It's up to all of us to figure out a way to make the sport continue to make it more and more exciting. How vocal are you in those driver uh, council meetings? Uh, it's hard because I don't feel like I have as much of a voice because, quite honestly, I haven't had as nearly as much success as all the other drivers that are in there on the council. So, um, you know, a guy like me that's won one, ra one cup race and a few Xfinity races speaking up, um, I don't feel like my opinion holds a lot of weight. So I usually sit back and listen. But when it's important or things that I have an opinion on, I certainly voice them. Like I said earlier, you're kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and voice your opinion. Yeah, voice whatever it, you voice it. Throw it out there. We've got plenty more still on NASCAR America. Make sure to send in your questions. Hashtag Ask Eric because we will field some of those questions. Here on NASCAR America from the Hall of Honor. NASCAR America is brought to you by New Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Today we are in the Hall of Fame. Tomorrow, Kurt Busch will be in studio in Stanford before he faces the Magic Mile of New Hampshire. Reigning Daytona 500 champ, Kurt Busch. We'll be in studio tomorrow on NASCAR America. That's 5 Eastern.
right here. And we did have a, a social media question that came in. Dylan Whitlock asked, what are some crazy ideas that you've come up with on how to use all the Smithfield Foods bacon that you yes. get? Because I'm <laughs> guessing you get, oh, you get a little bit of bacon. Yes. This is a good all segment. Right. Well, first and foremost, if you're going to do anything with Smithfield bacon, my favorite is the butcher's cut. So they've got, they've got thick cut, but then they've got butcher's cut on top of that, which is like literally a quarter inch thick. It's like the best cut of the pork okay. belly. So that's my favorite. So you take that and you wrap it around. They've got these pre-marinated uh, pork tenderloins. You take that and you wrap it around a pork tenderloin and put it on the grill on low and slow. It's tough to beat. So that's a big Even, part of your rehab, right? Yes. Even my kids will eat that. My kids, <laughs> my kids are the pickiest eaters in the world, and they love that. They're so. feeling the bacon off of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gib Cooper. Uh, sent this question, who's your best friend slash driver and what track do you miss the most? So best friend driver, can you have a best friend and that be a driver? It's really challenging. I can okay. tell you that. Um, and, and for that reason, I've learned over the years that I, I purposely don't ask for flights home with uh, drivers anymore because <laughs> you, you want to be able to race them and rough them up on the track if you need to. And that's a really... Uh, yeah. You know, quiet flight home. Yes, if, yeah, I can if, imagine. Especially if you're flying on their plane. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I get along with most of the drivers in the garage area. And then, what was the other question? Track. What track? Track. Do you the most. Um, I really like Chicago, especially the older it gets. And so we, you're going to be able run, to go there. We can run all over the racetrack there. I really enjoy racing that track, and I like uh, Dover a lot too. It's a fun racetrack. Excellent. Well, yeah. we are glad that you were able to join us here. Yes. We're very thankful that your rehab has gone as well as it has, so we wish you best of luck. Thank you. And kind of ease into it, maybe. Take two laps to get up to speed. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I'm glad to be back racing just in time for NBC to cover it, and it's not going to rain in Loudon, right? No. <laughs> I it's love not. your attitude. Not, I love your attitude. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.